If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Welcome to the Colossians 3.1 podcast. Whether you've been a Christian your whole life or are new to the faith, we invite you to join our discussion as we dive into theology, objections to the faith, common questions, and hot topics in an effort to better know, love, and follow Jesus Christ. Let's go. Hey everyone, my name is Barrett. Welcome to the Colossians 3.1 podcast. To my right, we have... Sam Draper. Zach Rimsberg. Jared Jernigan. We are all to his right. It was kind of Anchorman-esque type of... That time well, I said Ron, yeah, Ron Burgundy, <laughs> a week. And you're in San Diego. Yep. Yeah, that was great. He reads what's on the teleprompter. <laughs> Today in this podcast, we are going to try and answer the, the question of, or 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 we are try, we're going to discuss. We may not answer anything. <laughs> we're picking up where we left off on last week. Yes. Okay. So last week we talked about and tried to uncover. Um, how God is all good, but also does wrathful things. Um, and I felt like we did a pretty good job digging through that. But now we're going to talk about why does God's wrath seem no... Uh, God, we see God's wrath in the Old Testament, but we don't see it in the New Testament. And why is that... Go. Zach, go. <laughs> well, yeah, loaded question. Uh, go. Well, I'll, I'll start it this way, and we'll just see where, where this takes us. Okay. But, but you have what we talked about last week in the Jericho example, and then the other examples in God ex- executing wrath on the Egyptians or the people of Jericho or whatever the case may be, was a result of their negative influence, their choice to reject Israel's God, the true God, and to avoid the the negative influence that would happen upon the sanctified people of Israel, right? We talked about that. So wrath is executed as a means of judgment, you could say, because we talked about God's justice. I I actually have come to like the term retribution better uh, than judgment, although we can get into semantics there, but do you know Retribution in terms of your reward. Retribution so, is definition of ret- retribution. Just, just reward is a simplified. You, would you agree with that? You're, are you good with that? Well, it's not as cut and dry necessarily as that, but I mean, it, it's kind of the you you as you reap, so you sow. Yeah. So so if you reap a godly life, so you'll you, you know what you sow, and um, if you reap an ungodly life, then you uh, also get that back. Yes. So. <laughs> yes, life. yes, reaping, yes, excellent, perfect. We, we be farmers. Yes. <laughs> but so, so, so is planting. Yes, so anyway, your reaping mustache is, is throwing me off. Steam. Your mustache is throwing me off. I have, I, 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 my name is Barrett and I now have a mustache. Hi, <laughs> And Zach really likes Hi, it. Hi, bro, my name's Bruce. <laughs> uh, to be fair, he used to have a mustache. It's now floating by itself. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um... <laughs> Yeah. Um, He's really thrown off by this damage. All right, let me... Yeah. let me Please, let me somebody save this sinking <laughs> ship. Okay, so one of the things, both miracles and acts of miraculous judgment, 
supernatural judgment in Scripture, we, we realize that the old, we must realize the Old Testament covers a huge span of time. Okay, we're going uh, nearly a thousand years, okay, of, I mean, even further back, depending on when you date Job, but, uh, but, actually, well, so Abraham's about 2000 BC, uh, the Exodus is about 1400 BC, all the way up to the exiles in the 500s BC, and then the, the post-exilic period. So, enormous amounts of time and the big things are what gets written about right sure so uh during the life of elijah one of the prophets there's this uh, enormous drought and the prophet elijah is there prophesying this is because you're worshiping the Baal and the asherah and that drought gets lifted after uh, Elijah uh, has this big confrontation and shows that God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, is the only true God and not the Baal and Yeshua. So, big, huge event. It gets written about. The everyday following God, walking in obedience, that doesn't get written about. Um, in the same way with the New Testament, in the New Testament, the life of Jesus, lots of miracles, the early apostles, uh, they were given the ability to do miracles. Um, we don't have much about the ministry of someone like Timothy, you know, that, sure. that didn't make it, it is. so we kind of sometimes read the Bible and think, oh, this is the common everyday, the way things, but we don't see that. Well, you know, 2,000 years from now, when they write about this period of history, there's a lot they're not going to cover, right? So, so that's, that's one thing. So the, the, big, the big things were actually few and far between in terms of actual chronology. Another thing we have to, to look at um, if I grab my grab my thought here before it uh, before it slips away, um, man, it was a good one too. I'll I'll, I'll work on it. Zach, did you get yours back? Uh, I I want to. I, I guess I want to throw it back to Jared and Barrett real quick, just on because I want to be clear that I know Sam lost his thought. I clearly fumbled my whole thing there. We both lost our. So what? You you go. You go. I'll put you back on the spot. What do you feel like we're getting any closer to your answer? So yeah. So the, so again, the question is, why do we see more wrath? Oh, I got it. In the old. <laughs> you keep going. I'm gonna why, write myself a note. Why do we see more wrath in the Old Testament, not the New Testament? And does Jesus and the Holy Spirit play a role in that? I would add to that, does Jesus' death and resurrection play a role in that? The, the thing that, and I, I want to be careful because I know there's different, different opinions, different views on, especially when we use the term wrath. So I, I, I want to preface it by saying that I most likely will be in a 
different camp potentially when we use this word. And that's kind of where I was going earlier. I don't necessarily, and again, not to get into a word debate, whether we use wrath or judgment or punishment or whatever. I don't, I don't want to get into that. But the examples that we were talking about in Jericho or in Exodus or in, or in Deuteronomy or in Genesis or whatever was a result of a rejection of Yahweh. I mean, that's... Yahweh meaning God. God. They, they rejected him, and there was not going to be... There was disobedience. So those... And the same can be said for... You, you talk about what happened in the, in the wilderness, and the, the, the people are gone, and, and you talk about other instances in the Old Testament where Jews, you know, horrific things happened to the Jews as punishment. All you know, of those... The exile, all the things that happened... Some people like to lump and call it God's wrath. You can call it punishment. You can call it retribution. But it's a result of a poor decision, ultimately, if you just want to boil it down into very basic... Of a people group. People group or person, you know, individual, completely, national... Completely denying God. Yeah, that's a rejection of God. In, in many cases, I'm not saying that's exclusively the example, but in many cases, especially right. when we're talking about... God knew the people of Jericho, Jericho in this specific instance, like we talked about, denied him. They rejected him. You know, Rahab and her family were spared because ultimately they believed God and they became a part of Israel. Okay, believing, believing Israel. Wrath for me, in, in my view, biblically, is, is part of a much larger aspect of God's program, so to speak, I guess. I don't like that term, but I'm, that's what I'll use just for the sake of... So, why there's not wrath in the New Testament, I would argue that there's not necessarily wrath in the Old Testament. I, I know that we like to say God's wrathful, and He is. He does have an aspect of His, his, um, his being. His attributes. That's a, that is wrathful. I mean, um, but... But that, that is, and he, God doesn't change. We've talked about that in a previous episode. So if you could diagram God for a second, if you could imagine in your mind kind of a, a very poor diamond shape and not like a three-dimensional diamond, but just like if you just call that God and where you would come down and it would be, you know, a diamond two-dimensional would be more like a triangle, but then it has a little bump in the bottom to make it five-sided versus three. You, you have wrath and let's call it God's goodness or his love. God doesn't change. We've established that, right? So God's always wrathful and he's always good at the same time. How can that be? Well, just like we talked about with prayer, prayer doesn't change God. It's a way in which God's will gets done through us. It changes us. So if Barrett does something sinful and you're unrepentant, you're always under the justice, the wrath, the holiness of God. Okay, don't wrath. It's not just exclusively wrathful, but your God's holiness requires an action, so to speak, or a feeling. God feels angry. If you just associate, that's how Norman Geisler would always di uh, diagram it. Holiness, you can just account to feeling angry. God feels angry. Love, God feels good. Right. But God always feels those things, always because he doesn't change. So he always feels angry towards the unrepentant sinner. And he always feels good about those who are walking in righteousness. 
But, but at, has his his style of wrath implementation changed? Okay. So, if I get, if I could jump in with my <clears throat> on any given event, how do we know whether that is an act of God's wrath or simply a natural occurrence of, you know, this volcano erupts. And wipes out a city. Is that wrath of God or is that tectonic plates? We don't know. In the Old Testament, we knew because there was a prophet proclaim, connecting the dots and saying, This event, thus saith the Lord, this event is because you all were unbelieving. Mm -hmm. Okay? And, and not repentant. Now, God treated the people of Israel to, with exile because of their unrepentance. But then we read in Daniel, the Babylonians, they faced God's wrath because of their wickedness. Then Daniel also inc uh, includes a, uh, a prophecy about a series of kingdoms that are going to rise and fall. You know, the, these kingdoms that rise up. You have the, uh, you have Alexander the Great, and then, well, he gets malaria and dies after conquering the known world. The known world gets broken up into to different generals. Those kingdoms rise and fall, and they all eventually fall to Rome. Rome is the big dog in the time of Jesus, and the book of Revelation tells us, basically, Rome's going to fall. Okay. So, we see nations rising and falling under the sovereignty of God. So, on that big macro scale, I think God's wrath does come against nations. Now, now here's another piece of it that might add clarity, might muddy the waters, but we'll give it a shot. You have active wrath and passive wrath. Okay? So, um, active wrath, Sodom and Gomorrah. Big flaming meteorites or balls of fire, hell, so whatever. You know, obviously a supernatural event that is coming upon and destroying a people. Passive wrath is God withdrawing his protection. So, for the people I mentioned, Elijah and the, uh, the uh, drought, you know, God tells me, okay, you, you, want, you want Baal? You want Baal to keep your lands fertile? All right, go ask Baal. See what Baal does. Oh, well, now there's no rain. Because Baal can't make it rain. All right? Only God can make it rain. Mm. So, so God isn't so much actively afflicting as he is passively taking a step back and saying, you want, you, you want that? Have that. And I think passive wrath is the more common of the two. That, and connect this with what, uh, what Zach was saying there. If a people or an individual wants to do life without God, 
God doesn't force himself on them. God doesn't come in and say, no, I'm going to override your free will. No, I'm going to, uh, to zap you and whip you and make you follow me. He'll say, if, if you want to, it's going to go bad for you. It's going to be a path of destruction. It's going to be a path of hardship. You're going to eventually hit rock bottom. But I will let you. I will respect your free will. Uh, we see that in the parable of the prodigal son. This son comes to his father and says, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. I'm out of here. The father doesn't want the son to go. The father doesn't make the son go. But the father respects the son's free will and lets him go. Hmm. And then eventually the son ends up poor, destitute, living off of the scraps being given to pigs when he said, oh, I should go back to my father. At least a servant in my father's house is better off than I am here. He goes back to father and finds the father running to him arms wide open. And, and so I think that this is the more common experience of, uh, we, we see this in Romans 1. God, it said God mm -hmm. gave people over. You know, if you want to live without God, yeah. God will let you live without him. God's wrath being revealed to the godlessness. Yeah. Men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Yeah, yeah and if you want to, I would say, if we're going to give a Bible reference, read Romans 1 and into 2. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we, people get hung up on you know, what this says about homosexuality. Well, that's one example of many that Paul gives sure. of people who deny the truth about God and God gives them over. And it affects them. It affects their way of thinking. It affects their heart. Uh, they, they go off into all kinds of behavior. So let's look at our own country, the United States of America. Um, now I'm not I'm not going to say there was a good old the good old days. I'm just saying look at the modern day. We have we we are not walking with God as a nation. Now I think we ha we haven't been for some time, and then we wonder, oh, why do we keep having idiots in office? I don't know. Romans talks about how godlessness affects people's minds. You ever get a sense that we're all just going collectively crazy as a nation? Maybe it's God has said to America, you, you, you want to abort billion, millions of, of children? Uh, you want to uh, worship Baal and Asherah with your uh, promiscuity? In your media culture, uh, you you want to idolize the the almighty dollar. See where it gets you. <laughs> now we haven't hit rock bottom yet. Uh, you know, give us another couple hundred years on this course of action. Yeah, and maybe we say, oh yeah, well, God God kind of let us go go nuts there mm -hmm. until we eventually, like the prodigal prodigal sons, come back and say. Hey God, maybe your ways are a little bit better than than what we've come up with. So, so in reality, from Old Testament, what I'm taking from this is from Old Testament to New Testament is, yes, in the Old Testament we have confirmed cases where 
it's verified that it is God's wrath, if we're if we're gonna just use that word. Um but his wrath continues today just in different ways, passive or active. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and also keep in mind what I said about the Old Testament being a span of a couple thousand years. The New Testament was a span of less than a hundred years. That's the time frame it covers from the birth of Jesus to, uh, to John uh, writing the book of Revelation in like 90 AD. That's so, yeah, there's, there's, it would look a little bit different when you're comparing two, two books of two or two collections covering such different time spans. Absolutely. So something that's not directly covered in the New Testament, I just thought of this, um, but is referenced and we know it happened in history is the destruction of Jerusalem Yeah, and the temple. I mean, yeah, we don't have that in a book, but Jesus talks about it. Yeah. So, you know, and I don't know, is it ironic that that comes within how long of Jesus being crucified there? You know, yeah, I, I don't, I don't you know, so, I mean, I don't have a whole lot else to go on with that, but, you know. Yeah, the, the fall of Jerusalem was about uh, 70 AD, crucifixion about 25 to 30 uh, AD, um, and... Uh, yeah, it is. That was a great, a great catch. That uh, that was Jesus said this. You know, so in the Gospels, uh, Jesus is going to Jerusalem. I think it's in in Matthew, and he comes across a fig tree, and he's looking for fruit. The fig tree doesn't have any fruit. He says, "May you never produce fruit again." Then he then the way Matthew records it, then he goes into Jerusalem. Drives out the money sellers and the the people who, basically, people of Israel, uh, the Jewish leaders, especially, not producing fruit. Um, And it's incredible, you know, here's Jesus exercising wrath against this fig tree, cursing it so it withers up and dies. And it, the, the story of that, of when he curses it and when they notice it withers sandwiches this encounter with the temple and uh, sometimes when you're reading scripture and you see two similar stories sandwiching uh, something usually something in the middle there is very important which goes back to what zach always likes to talk about about get the context yeah because i'll admit i struggle with the story about the fig tree because i'm like that sounds like me like throwing my remote you know if i if i take it on the surface you know yes Yes, I like context. <laughs> I, it is important. And I, I like the point Sam made, um, not a way I've ever considered explaining it with active and or passive wrath. Uh, and I, I'm just always cautious with the word wrath because when I talk about wrath, I just mean God's anger or his exercised action against unrepentant sinners. That, in my, when I hear wrath, that's what I think. And whether that is carried out, in the form of a destruction of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, whether or Jericho, whether it's carried out in the, um, like we mentioned in Romans, that the wrath of God still being revealed today in the ungodliness of men suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Due to their rejection of God and living a life in sin, God gives them over to their de- debased mind. It's a, it's a form of, of judgment that 
you know, and, there, and it's separation from God. When I personally, when I think of um, this, this question, and, and we talked about, I think Sam said it right at the end of, the, of last week's episode, which led us into today, of the importance of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the difference in today and God's wrath versus, versus them. Yeah, explain it. Let me, let me, um, in the Old Testament, okay, believers did not have, they were not constantly indwelt by the Holy Spirit, okay? Believers today were a temple, right? The Holy Spirit lives in us. Our, our body is temple to God. The Holy Spirit is present. You have access. He's indwelt in all believers, okay? That wasn't true in the Old Testament. So there's already a significant difference and, you know, you can call it an advantage or whatever you want that, that we have versus them. I don't like getting into that debate. But um, I, I, I enjoy the fact that I'm now and I have him all the time right here. And I don't rely on those who are specially anointed by the Spirit. And God can pull that Spirit, like King Saul, for instance. I mean, just that's an easy example. God removed his anointing, right? The Spirit, he all left right. him. Let's not get too far off the board. No, I'm though. just saying he won't do that to bear it. So... This never is will my, I leave you, never will I forsake you. Yeah, and that's my point is God's wrath, God's judgment. This is where I'm always careful. A believer will not experience. Okay? That's where wrath, to me, we have to be very careful in the broad uh, net that we cast over it. You can be disciplined. And the book of Hebrews teaches us about God disciplines those he loves as a father disciplines a child. You decide to backslide, you decide to make a poor choice, God will allow you to reap what you sowed. I got it right that time. Hey, let's go. <laughs> in, uh, in, in your decision. But a believer cannot experience the wrath of God. The wrath of God is reserved for unrepentant sinners. So, th that and that's where I... There, there is wrath being stored up. There's wrath that's going to be experienced, in my opinion, still in a future time to come. That's where I'm trying not to, to, to um, snail trail us all over the place. But Jesus took on, you know, the penalty of all of our sins, the ultimate wrath of God, the punishment that, you know, he, he bared the weight of, of all that. So... Grace and mercy you have now, it's available to all who believe in him. And once you are a believer, then you can't experience the wrath, just like a real believer can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Only unbelievers can do that. Only unbelievers, unrepentant sinners will truly experience the wrath of God. Yes. Jared and I looked at each other, I think at the same time when you said Jesus took on the wrath of God when he died on the cross for our sins. Am no, I, no, go, go ahead. Am I, I, am I? Are you thinking the same thing? I'm actually not. I just happened to look at you at that moment. <laughs> he just okay. Sorry, but but I'm just gonna say this for the sake of time. Getting into the atonement, yeah, which is I, what happened on the cross. We're gonna need a lot more than yeah, time we have left. Yeah, I can't. In this I can't do that in, in less than the time we have left. But okay, yeah. It's just. My question is, if he took on the wrath of God, yeah, why is there still wrath is my question. Because they're still unrepentant sinners. Because I, God, like Sam said, God forces no one to do anything. God's love, his goodness, 
is persuasive. It's not coercive. He doesn't force you to do anything. Right. What were you going to say? Well, and I think that we, again, have to talk about, you know, what Zach is differentiating, the wrath and the discipline. Because, I mean, you can find that throughout the Old and New Testament, you know, active and passive discipline, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say when, when Adam and Eve, you know, were were kicked out of the garden. That was kind of passive discipline. It's like, oh, you want to do it without me? Here you go. Not going to yeah. be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's... If somebody wants to say, I, I, will, I can stand before God on my own merits. I don't need the sacrifice of Jesus. He won't make them accept the sacrifice of Jesus. If, and if somebody says... I, I absolutely do not want God in my life. You know, th- this, this, we talk about wrath of God, we're going to have to get into hell uh, in a couple minutes, but my short version of hell is God lets people who don't want him live without him. Yeah, amen. But, like, so hell, we, we always have this Dante's Inferno, the fire, the demons, pitchforks, torture... I, I, you don't need any of that. You put a bunch of people who completely don't want God, and God says, "All right, here you go. I'm you want you don't want me. I will step away. Enjoy each other for all eternity. Human beings will make hell hell. And it doesn't need fire. Doesn't need sulfur. Doesn't need any of that. You could have streets of gold." What we would otherwise consider paradise, but a bunch of human beings without the love of God, without the light of God, without the mercy of God, without any of the restraining influence of God's spirit, and just says, humans, you you want life without God? Go for it. They will destroy each other for all eternity. You know, I find comfort in that because how amazing is God and the fact that his ultimate wrath is just the lack of him that's a very good point that's very well said that's very comforting no matter how your indestruction comes it leads to eternal lack of presence of god yeah yeah good point i i think at this point we should wrap it up because if not we are going to <laughs> I, well, into... I honestly don't think we you yeah. you, you ended it on such a, a good note. So thank you, and thank you, Jared. You know, we in the early episodes we t- we joked about you know experts and hosts, but honestly, I'm so blessed by all three of these men here um, and their incredible wisdom from the Holy Spirit. That uh, um, so I just want to give props where due. Well, and Zach, you had some good stuff in there too. <laughs> There's no need to lie, Sam, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, we will uh, we'll catch you on the next one.